Um, we're so excited to talk to you today. Yeah. Um, literally, we had you on our list of people that we wanted to obviously interview just because, well, I use Child's Farm and I know yeah. use Child's Farm and we were like, oh, we just, we obviously, you know, we're really like interested in supporting female founders in any way that we can, obviously on a much smaller level. But the way that we found we're able to do that is through the podcast. Um, and obviously we've been speaking to some amazing people. We've had such great feedback. So it feels really nice that we're yeah. able to support other small business owners just by doing this. So yeah, we're really excited to have a chat today and find out more about your story and everything else. So yeah, thank you so much for joining us. That was a pleasure. Um, thank you. So do you want to kick off or should I kick off? Yeah. Kick off <laughs> um, so we know that you founded Child's Farm in 2010. So we want you to find out a bit more about the journey, how it all started. We know it started from your daughters having sensitive skin and everything else. So we want to find out more about you know, how you kind of came to the idea that you could set that up as a business, how that growing. Yeah, and how that all kind of started, really. So if you start, you've started recording, do you want me to wear a headset or are you happy with the quality? No, no, no that's fine. fine. That's fine. We'll have it edited, so it's no problem. Yeah. OK, so I started Child's Farm in 2010 from a real need. And that mm. is I had a young daughter who had atopic eczema. And when I tried to find something for her skin, life had not moved on since I'd been a child in the 70s. And it was either emollient or steroid creams, neither of which I was prepared to put on my newborn baby. And so I sort of started this exercise of trying to find something that would be suitable for her sensitive skin. And there really was nothing. Life had not progressed. And I spent an absolute fortune in the process of trying all sorts of organic brands, you know, lots of brands that promised the world but didn't deliver on anything. Um, and what I was really looking for was something that just soothed her irritated skin. And of course, when they're little, um, they can't tell you that it hurts. They can't tell you that they're in pain. And all I could see was, you know, in, in the creases of her arms and particularly at the tops of her legs, red, raw, broken skin that was clearly putting her in a lot of pain. And as a parent, you know, you, you like to think you've got control over a number of things. But this is something over which I had absolutely no control. And I felt, as, I felt as guilty as sin. I thought, you know, I've just done, you know, what have I done to my child? Because, of course, I had atopic eczema as a child. And, you know, it's very much hereditary. So, you know, not only are you beating yourself up for not being able to do anything, but you're blaming yourself for your own skin yeah. um, and for that in fact affecting your own child. Um, just so you know, that's not me that's pinging. No, no, I think it's. Oh, I don't know. Hold on. Uh, this is where it was a bit uh, busy trying to get in. It's. Um, right, should be fine now. Yeah, sorry, go on, Joanna, continue. So, um, being a sort of quite a. I mean, look, my background was investment banking, but I'd always been very interested in natural remedies simply because that's you know my own skin my own eczema my own asthma meant that I was always looking for solutions and for me it was using really natural products that made a phenomenal difference to my skin and so I followed the same um, <clears throat> thing for Bella but of course you know your skin develops at different times so me as an adult with fully developed skin I, I needed I could take more than someone who's a baby where their skin is still going through that process of developing. Yeah. So I ended up working 
um, with the guys at Medicam um, down in Kent who had done a lot of work with um, Dutch originals. And I went to see them and I said, this is my plan. This is what I'd like to do. I want something for my daughter and I don't want it to include any of these nasty ingredients, but I do want it to include these really fabulous ingredients. And they got it straight away. And Max, their head of R&D, totally understood what I was trying to achieve. But the twist I had was that I wanted it to smell nice. Yes. And it had to smell nice because I'd spent my entire childhood having stuff that looked miserable and stank yeah. like old socks. Oh, and yeah. I, I didn't want that for my children. I wanted something that looked fabulous and I wanted something that smelt fantastic but didn't irritate their skin. But this product had to work. So the packaging was a sort of it was it, it you know, there were three elements to it. One, most importantly, this product had to work. It had to soothe her irritated skin. It had to not irritate her in any way. And that's why I did shampoos as well. Because, of course, she had it really badly in her scalp. And, you know, but I wanted it to be a joy to use it. Bath time is meant to be fun. And so I wanted it to be a joyful experience for her. So I wanted to use fragrance. And we use fragrance that we as a family used to burn as oils. And they they make you smile. They make you happy. It was the whole point about this was to turn her frown upside down. You know, bath time for her was awful you know, changing nappies, you know, anything was awful. So I wanted to make the whole process an absolute joy. And the icing on the cake really was the labels and the colourful lids because they feature both my girls and all of their animals. And then they included their cousins and then latterly their friends. And, you know, the aim was that, that, that you had all of those senses stimulated in bath time. So you could tell a story using the labels. They could see their own ponies and their pets on the labels. But then other people would name those ponies and those pets as their own. And, yes. you know, and I remember um, Caroline, who was the buyer at the time, John Lewis, she said, oh, you, you know, we've got to list your products because my daughter um, thinks that's her pony. Yes. Yeah. And, and so it, it's, it was meant to be a whole experience that so as much for parents as it was for children. But what, what I wanted to do was I wanted to know I was putting the right products on her skin that weren't going to irritate her further. We're going to smell fabulous. The bubble bath would bubble so she could have a bubble bath for the first time that wouldn't irritate, that everything would leave her skin feeling wonderfully moisturised. And that we could tell stories in the bath while we were at it. And, and you know, it, it I mean, I, I suppose people think, you know, it happens in a heartbeat. It doesn't. It's a huge yeah. amount of hard work. You know that from your own business. But yeah. it's finding people that have got your ethics, who are aligned to your ethics, values yeah. and purpose. Yeah. And I was very lucky in Medichem that they were incredibly aligned to what I was doing. And and then, you know, it, it all sort of took off from there. Yeah. And as I say, in terms of obviously skincare, because there's a lot of safety involved in that in that type of product. Did that ever did you ever think, oh god, I'm going into something and obviously it's all natural ingredients, absolutely, but obviously there's a due diligence in terms of safety. Did you ever worry about that side of things where you're like, okay, this has got to be obviously spot on, obviously it's got to pass all the certifications and everything else. Did you ever worry about that side of things? 
Well, do you know, that's the most important question, Laura. You know, safety is absolutely paramount for children and babies. They're the most vulnerable. They've got the most vulnerable skin. So that was absolutely on top of our agenda. So what I did is we undertook some clinical safety trials. This is before we even went to market. We undertook some clinical safety trials and all the products were tried on people with medically diagnosed eczema to see how they their skin reacted to the product. The problem I had with this, and we did phenomenally well, I mean, there's no two ways about it, but this is undertaken under something called the Madrid Protocol. And it means participants have to be over 18. Now, of course, my product was for little ones and their skin is entirely different. So I discovered we could do an independent user trial um, on babies aged 0 to 18 months with medically diagnosed eczema. And this involved a two week course of using all of the products by mums. I mean, phenomenal mums who participate in these trials. And that's what I decided to do. And I mean, it cost an arm and a leg and and it was the best thing we ever did because it gave me comforts that I could sell these products knowing that they were right for that market. And, you know, trust and safety is absolutely paramount. And as a mum, I felt I wouldn't, I couldn't sell to other mums unless I was absolutely proven through an external source that these products were suitable for newborns and children with who have a propensity to eczema. Yeah. And we absolutely blew the lights out with these with these um, user trials, and that allowed us to say on our bottles that they're suitable for sensitive and even pre- even those people that are prone to eczema uh, which is something that you have to confirm with the MHRA which is the governing body of all medicines which we're not but all cosmetics products to to completely confirm you are not misleading your consumer so we I mean we were literally the first baby and child brand that had that stamp on our bottles that stamp saying you can use this for anyone even those with sensitive and eczema prone skin. And for me, that was the key thing. I didn't want my children to have sort of that neon sign of shame saying they've got sensitive skin or they've got eczema. I wanted them something that smelt fab, that looked fab, but the ingredients inside were brilliant. I mean, we've all seen those gimmicky cartoon related, you know, won't say the word, but from a big powerhouse of cartoons, products that go on sale you know oh my little one was desperate she I'll never forget she spent about I don't know how much money she spent in 10 peas at at one of those school fairs to win this bottle of princess with gold glitter in it bubble bath I mean it would have just ruined her skin she won it in the end and I had to have that conversation which was I'm sorry, darling, but this is not going to work on your skin. And and I feel very strongly as a parent, we have a responsibility. If we create a product which is designed for babies and children, it can look fabulous. But my God, the content has got to be suitable for them. And I think that's what we did. We stopped the nonsense about putting crap in a shiny bottle and sticking a picture of a car on it or a princess. And we said, right. We've got beautiful imagery on this bottle, but you've got a bloody great big sign on the front saying who it's sensible for. And, you know, 
we we offered our mummy back guarantee so if it if it caused irritation to your child you could come back to us and we fully refund you because for us you know I was doing it from a paid place of pain you know I'd be that mum I was that mum and and I just wanted to share the success I'd had with the products on my daughter with other mums in the same boat and it's so funny that you say that because my daughter she or both of my daughters they um, don't have eczema but very sensitive skin so we had the whole thing of trying loads of things and in the bath and their skin always comes up and my daughter has a similar thing with bath bombs so you know she got gets given for a birthday bath bombs from friends and she's dying to use the bath bombs or again she can't use them because it will just bring her skin up so what I loved about Child's Farm is the fact that one, the smells, because it was exciting to her. So we'd go and I'd be like, right, you choose which one you want. And the smells that she liked, the orange, and there's the strawberry one that she can wash her hair, like, you know, the body and hair scrub. Um, and I think that made a massive difference because it wasn't just a bottle of, you know, here you go, this is what you can use. Yeah. It was more exciting because you can still have that smell and the look of the bottle. And I think it's really important that parents have, have something else that yeah. isn't just a generic bath soap that you see advertised everywhere and that's boring for children yeah. so something like you said that's in a grey bottle yeah. or it's very it's not childish so they yeah. don't they're not excited to use it in the bath or on their hair or anything yeah. like that they don't get that but like you said with the animals it's it's making them excited and it smells it's yeah. fun you yeah know? it is it's and, and it was really groundbreaking really the way you did that with the packaging oh so yeah really, it just Clever. it made the <laughs> children that they were then involved in the process like the product is for children so yeah all of a sudden they were involved in the process and not just, oh, you know, there's a grey or white bottle with nothing on it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it made them part of it, which I think was really special. And, and my, my girls really were part of it because, mm-hmm. um, you know, A, they're on the bottles, but B, you know, they we worked on the smells together. So all the fragrances we worked on together. So, you know, can you remember when pineapples and watermelons were all the rage and everyone had a yeah. sort of pineapple this or a watermelon that? <laughs> well, one loved pineapple and one loved more watermelon. And I thought, I, you know, we, we don't have capacity to two new things. So I smashed them together and we had the watermelon and, and pineapple um, uh, hair and body wash, which is one of our best sellers. It smells like sort of you know it smells like burnt pineapple you know like pineapple you put on the barbecue I mean it's so delicious it's actually my favorite and that was the girls that got involved in that and they would decide on the colors and you know Mimi went through her pink stage I think you know (laughs) at some stage they all go through one color Mimi was pink everything was pink and so she was on the conditioner she wanted the conditioner to be pink love it and you know so I mean it really was everyone got involved and and you know the fact is it what's wonderful now is we've got a memory of you know pets of the past as well Mm. having lots of fun and of course and not a lot of people know this but we had a cartoon as well we had the child's farm cartoon which you can watch on YouTube but it ran for three years on Cartoonito channel which is now owned by Warners um and that was all based around the animals that you see on the bottle, which were all of our animals. And that's let's be clear, or every single animal existed or yeah. still does exist. Yeah. And, and 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 that was, you know, it wasn't like that sort of oh, Bessie's farm or whatever. It genuinely yeah. was. Our house used to be called Child's Farm. These were all my anim- all my children's animals and our pets. We we lived on Child's Farm. So it was 
it it was so authentic in every way and you know that in itself makes it an easier sell because I believed in it a hundred percent I believe in the formulas a hundred percent so you and and I'd seen the results on my own children and friends children and so when I moved from doing those sort of school fairs and you know um oh, all those um trade shows that I used to do in my transit van um <laughs> which like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's this sort of days of your life you never get back I remember I did one in Birmingham for five days and we lived off pot noodle and <laughs> I, 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 we thought we were going bonkers and someone had given us a, a hooky um, version of Skyfall and um, which, you know, someone, a friend in the film industry had sent it. So we were watching that and we were watching it in the back of the stand, me and this lovely friend's daughter who helped me write at the beginning, Olivia. And we were watching it and someone said, hello, hello, are you open? And it was just sort of, and, and we both looked at each other and she looked at me and she said, it's your turn. And so I said, Oh and I, and so I said yes what do you want and it was the Ocado buyer and she said oh hi sorry are you Joanna I said yes what do you want said, it was day five and we were going insane and she said oh I want to list your products on Ocado and I said fine give me your details yeah I'm at the place day five you're literally yeah, I'm like I'm watching my film basically it's kind of like I've lost my will to live I, I yeah. am I am I have lived in this dark hutch for five days yeah. I am living on pot noodle I am craving anything that's green and we got skyfall yeah, and exactly. anyway, bless her she sat down and watched it with us and like talking about that what was your journey like so you you obviously went through the testing with your product you then got to that stage where you're like right our product's ready to go ready to get out there to the world how did how did you find that point of then pushing it out there? How hard and tough was it for you? To because, launch, yeah. yeah, because the reason for our podcast is we get us ourselves as well. We always found running our business, you always hear of the good things when people make it, but you never hear of the the times where you want to quit and you want to give up and you just you know it's hard slog and, and the five days you spend in your van yes. like you never hear yeah. those moments. That's what yeah. we want to kind of share more of, isn't it? So what was your journey like from marketing from like then launch launching, yeah? You have to have skin like a rhino. Yeah. Because people say no a lot, but in my mind, no is a possible yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, I did everything. So right at the beginning, don't forget there was social media was in its infancy. You know, this yeah, was 2013, 12, 2013 when I was trying to get listings. You couldn't go on LinkedIn and find out who everyone was. You couldn't, you were literally having to find out switchboards. And you, you would you would anyone and I didn't come from an FMCG background, so I hadn't worked at Unilever or PNG, you know, mm-hmm. I worked at a Swiss bank. Yeah. And so I didn't know a soul. I didn't know. So, so it was, you know, tried. To, I didn't know anyone that worked in retail. Uh, no one, not a soul. I mean, FMCG, which is fast moving consumer goods. I used to have to write it on my hand before I went to a meeting. So I didn't so I could actually get it the right way round. Yeah. And, you know, what I did was I took samples of all the products, hand delivered them to every single buyer in the country. I um, I found out um, telephone numbers. I begged, borrowed, stole them. I found email addresses. I was 
absolutely. I mean, I swear to God, the Sainsbury's bar nearly took out a restraining order on me. I just was relentless. And I went to so I I so I did two things simultaneously. One was all these school fairs and you know um consumer fairs, little shows where I would go there, you know the deal. You go there the yeah. night before, you spend four my first stand, I had wallpaper. So I turned up and I hung wallpaper for five hours. I mean, things you learn quite quickly. Don't do anything complicated. And I honed it and I then had these Apple boxes with all the products in so I could set up my stand in 40 minutes. But so you, you would sort of go there, set up your stand the night before, stay in some absolutely shocking hotel, you know, not sleep because it was either really cold or really hot. And if Olivia was with me, we'd be sharing a room. I mean, you know, it was everything on the cheap. And you would just, I always said, you know, it's like you had a string in your back, like one of those dollies. And you would just, someone would pull the string and you'd do the blurb. And you'd do the blurb. And and I was actually talking to um, a friend of mine yesterday who I've invested in her company, Lulu, who owns The Clothes Doctor, which is beautiful washing laundry powder for silks, cashmeres, all of that lot. And she'd just she's just done the ideal home exhibition. And listening to her just brought back all these memories. She said, We hired all we hired all this furniture. Well, that was a bloody mistake. <laughs> she said, We didn't pick our book our slot to pick up at the end of it. So we had to wait for four hours till we could actually get our van in. And then I had to do this. And I'm listening to her, and I just said, Lulu, I can help on this one because you do. And, and this is the thing. It's all about learning. So yeah. you start doing that and then you hone and refine that. So I was doing trade shows as well. So the lights of um, what's it called? Top draw, top yeah. draw. And then you had the spring fair in in. Oh, my God, that just brings. I mean, just saying the words and I'm shaking <laughs> spring fair in Birmingham. And you did all of these things and you were just you were on overdrive and and you would come and you probably know this you come back after one of these shows and you're and then suddenly you it's kind of like your adrenaline has just dropped and and you feel like a sort of wet rag but you feel like I should be doing something I should be doing something I should be saying I did another thing that this does for your hair is and and it's just this you become a marketeer a salesman if you can't talk about your product with passion no one else is going to so you have to become the ultimate salesperson and to be the ultimate salesperson you have to have a bloody good product you have to have a product that you believe in and you have to have energy of a thousand people yeah yeah and And that energy is infectious. And you've then you slowly build your team of people that are very, very similar in their energy and resilience levels. Um, And the other thing is, of course, you know, when I started doing this, it was just post the 2008, you know, terrible. We were still in recession. And, you know, that didn't bother me. You know, I'm, I'm quite old. So I've been through, you know, I went through the late 80s, early 90s when, you know, you think this is bad now. I mean, that was a total shit show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, um, and it's it's that absolutely unswerving faith. And, yeah, you will have moments when you sit in a corner and you sob your heart out. And, yeah. But you never, <laughs> ever say, why am I doing this? You yeah, never yeah. say that. 
because you believe in what you're doing so much mm-hmm. that you just you know why you're doing it. You're just a bit fed up. You're yeah, tired. Yeah. You're you know, I have two little ones that I was bringing up on my own. You know, I mean, it got to a stage where literally they needed my passport to let me through the door because they would sort of saying, who the hell are you? You know, are you really my mother? And so then as a parent, you're completely torn that you're trying to do something for their future. But at the same time, you want to be with them in their present. And of course, my office was right next door to the house in a converted barn. And they would be in and out when they went at school, would be in and out the whole time. And, And the people that worked with me was so bloody resilient we've had you know someone coming in and just shouting at the top of their voice Mimi is such a poo pants <laughs> you know everyone was on calls to to one of them coming in and just putting a metal beaker in the microwave and watching my <laughs> office manager literally in slow motion going no Oh, honestly it's like describing us we've got three between like I've got yeah. two Laura's got one so it literally is some days you think how am I actually coming when they're, when they're, like we've both had this and they're poorly and, yeah. and you feel bad like yeah. the bum guilt is but also you're trying not to because you're trying to say to yourself we're doing this for their future we're doing this because we yeah. you know we want we're doing this for them but in the moment in the time you can also feel really just awfully torn yeah. between the two yeah it's really tough when you're trying to grow something because especially these early days you're really in it you're in it every day and the other thing that I found which was I mean we are such a judgmental country aren't we I mean Beyonce (laughs) does something oh my god it's going to be such a success you and I do it and everyone looks at you and goes oh god that's going to be and you lack all of that support that goes with it and you just sort of feel that people are looking down your nose plus if you're doing something to do with children it's not serious. It's like yes. playing pretend at business because yeah, you're just playing with fluffy bunnies all day yeah, and we're sitting there. Yeah. Did you do that? Did you just make cakes in the morning? Then have yeah. a cup of coffee and a chat and yeah. then maybe get your nails done. Yeah. And then yeah. say, oh, is it that time? I better go and pick up little Johnny from school. Yeah. And I, I, it used to, and I just used to just not say anything. And actually, I found myself being, you know, so when it came to the school gates and all of that, slightly reclusive. Because I was, you know, uh, my kids went to school where they would sort of, most of the mums didn't work. And I sort of felt, you know, they're judging me. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm quite an anxious person anyhow. And, you know, I will, you know, bizarrely, um, and I'm quite introverted as well, which is, you know, it doesn't make sense when I can talk the hind legs (laughs) off a donkey and then I'll go up to anyone and say, no, you don't not want this product. You actually really want it. And I'll tell you in six months <laughs> time, they'll be begging me for it. But I, 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 I need time on my own. I need to charge yeah. my batteries on my own. And when you're doing a business and you've got children, that really doesn't happen. So yeah. the time for me was those journeys in the car um, of which, you know, when I started, you know, flirting with boots, that was, you know, for me, that was a four hour journey there. I'd, yeah. I'd sort of go in, do my hard sell and a four hour journey back and then via the kids school to pick them up, take them home and cook them supper. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to be so robust and you've yeah. got to love, 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 love what you're doing and yeah. believe in it 100 percent. And And you guys know that. Yeah, and yeah. it's got you've got to make fun out of every situation when there's a monumental cock up. You mm-hmm. can't. You've got to sit there and say, oh, I fucked that up, didn't I? 
yeah. you, you yeah. can't sit there and say oh well you know and you know no it's just I remember when we had and this is just still just Olivia and I we had somebody who was selling our products in Taiwan and we were sending a, a, a whole palette of products to them and for some reason it went to an address in um, Seven Oaks and an optician took delivery of this palette of products and I looked at the thing and I thought oh that's all my fault I've completely balls that up. I put totally the wrong address and Olivia said I'll sort it out well bugger me she only did the same thing again and the, and the man accepted this palette of products again in his optician shop and, and you know Olivia and I were killing ourselves laughing and and you know I mean we were just sort of saying bless him but what a moron <laughs> We've it's done real, it though. We've, we've, we've done, done so this much week. Stuff. We started yeah. sending stuff to my house this week, and Nora's like, "Why have we been sending stuff to your house?" And yeah. I was like, if, "Oh my god, if you're just if you're in it, you're so yeah. in it, and it's and it, it does it. It's like a fog sometimes. Yeah. Like you probably, you, as you will know, you do stuff and you think, "What have I done? Like, how have I even oh, done this? Yeah, it's just not even. And well, um, I was going to say on the note of uh, boots, though, I know you you obviously got into retail quite quite early. Was it 2014? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, early. Amazing, yeah. yeah. So it would be great to know because that's a lot of the questions we get asked who work with how did you do it? Other people now. Yeah, like how did you because actually just going off what you said earlier, what we did was actually guessed people's email addresses from their LinkedIn profile. <laughs> and then literally when I mean hounded them, I mean literally every day. <laughs> really, literally like we weren't sending point. free emails a day when we're doing something wrong. We, so we were hounding we to were the point where we were like, they're gonna give us a reply. I think restraining orders are a badge of honour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you haven't got them, you haven't tried hard enough. Yeah. I mean, so true. So, so true. for me, so we started, we launched our website in 2012. So a lot was done online. And then I started doing with lots of independent shops. Lesson learned from that, never give anyone credit because they yeah. won't pay your bills. So oh, yeah. learn that early on that you know never give anyone credit it's yeah. you know you pay for your order and then we then we release it yeah. um, so that was lesson number one then I started I actually got I, I actually had someone who with boots who um he he knows them very very well and often takes brands that he thinks are good to them which is what he did with with ours and he opened the door um and and actually, we were very lucky. Were we lucky? We'd worked bloody hard. I mean, I've been trying to get into Boots for 18 months. Yeah. And we met the category director at the time, Jamie Karouche, who happened to have a three-year-old, a three-year-old girl. And he said, I totally get this. <laughs> and and he, he was fantastic and acted as a sponsor, if you like. Waitrose was just relentless and eventually find the right person through my manufacturer. And she then um, she really helped us with the user trials as well. Um, and then actually, Andrea, her, her planner. So, you know, in 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 super in retailers, you, you have they have what is called a planogram. And that's a map of every single shelf. Yeah. And it and they decide what goes where and how much of each. Mm-hmm. Well, she gave some of the bottles to the woman who did the planograms at Waitrose, whose daughter had eczema. Oh. And so Andrea came back to us and said, I can put three SKUs. So that's three products on shelf. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the woman that ran the planogram said, no, I can get six on. I can get six on. These products are 
amazing. We can get six on. Oh, I trust me, I can get six on. <laughs> and do you know that was part of it. So, but then it was, you know, and then of course we launched in boots and weight trays in 2014. So then, of course, you're going to every other retailer and they're saying, what's your rate of sale? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have to give them an indication of your rate of sale. Now, yeah. all of those small fairs and shows that I went to, all of those small independent stores that I went to had created this little army of, of parents who loved the brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was them that then went in and bought at Boots. Now, we launched in Boots with Tuppence Hapney. I mean, we really didn't, but we had the cartoon went live and we also did a deal. We also did a deal with the um, TV network that they would um, do a TV ad as well. And I mean, I I did a deal where I paid for that as a percentage of our profits. Yeah, it, we didn't make any money. <laughs> so it was it was free. Yeah. Um, and and we <laughs> and, and so we had this. So we were having. So we had bath time on Boomerang was sponsored by Child's Farm. We were on every single Monday to Friday. The cartoon was playing every day, and we had ads going across all of their um, different channels because that's what that that was. There was no social media presence that we see now back then, and. And what I what I mean, the core thing about everything to me was you have to get customers going through the door. Yeah. So the moment you have a listing, it's not, oh, great, I've got a listing. Fabulous. I can put my feet up. The money's going to come rolling in. That's when the hard work starts. Yeah. And that's when you have to start telling people. So with my my products, I made little bottles and I sampled like mad. And it was the best thing I ever did because later research that we did showed that our conversion rate from trying a sample to buying a product was pretty much 50 percent because the products are so blooming good and people just were going my god they smell fabulous they look fabulous and look at my daughter's skin it's incredible so so I gave out and we had a posse of mums our brand ambassadors the most wonderful people on the planet who just fell in love with the brand so they would take these little bottles and give them out at the school gates or give them out at brownies or give them out at the football pitch to people and then say, well, here, if you use this code, you can get a discount online. And then they, they, you know, we'd give them once a month, we'd see who sold the most and we'd pay for them to go for dinner at Pizza Express yeah. or something. You know, it, so it was it was, you know, thank you. A thank you in, in a really honest way. So that sampling and telling people about the brand, but most importantly, getting other people to tell people about your brand. That was and people were doing it. We weren't we didn't pay anyone to do anything. They just did it. And then and then, you know, it helped with the sales. um, But without that marketing, without that telling people and where to go. I mean, you should have seen our first TV ad, the end frame where we'd say sort of now save a third at Boots. I did on a PowerPoint slide Amazing. and it went Amazing. on the telly. We, I couldn't afford to pay somebody to do it. It was so DIY. And lovely Olivia, who was with me for three years, then went to San Francisco and ended up becoming a graphic designer because she'd started <laughs> doing it. She had to learn how to do it. But, you know, but at the same time, we had a Sage system installed, you know, the accounting thing. Yeah. I mean, we literally were on the phone two, three hours a day to the help desk. 
I think we learned how to use Sage best than any bookkeeper because yeah. we were on that. We were talking to the help desk the whole time yeah. and they were yeah. saying, oh, there's a shortcut for that. And there's a shortcut for that. And I mean, Olivia and I, I mean, the times when actually I hated it was doing Sage. Yeah, I, 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 it was just oh my bloody oh, god and you get well, one yeah. thing wrong yeah. you get one thing wrong yeah. Yeah. and then you and had to undo it oh and it's a learning isn't it because yeah. when, like, when you run a business you have to learn everything yeah you, you, like you say you're wearing so many different hats that you're thinking oh I may not like this but I have to do it or yeah. you know you, you don't get that that choice when you when you've got your strap for cash flow yeah that you know you can hire everyone to do these individual jobs no. and things but, and as so. you get bigger then you know new people come in and they think oh she doesn't know what she's talking about and you think I bloody do I set that yeah. system yeah, up that. <laughs> yeah. and yeah, I know exactly and and I know why they're in sets of six and yeah. I know why they're that size because and and you know and and it, it, you know it's it's part of the thing is you is you grow bigger, but I just kept on talking to buyers and yeah. then I kept on every week I would send them an email saying oh look this is our TV ad at the moment oh look this is some press we got oh yeah. look our rate of sale is now like this and and actually we had a really successful launch both in Waitrose and Boots which looking back is staggering because we didn't have yeah. two yeah. brass farthings to rub together. Yeah, but people bought it. They yeah. saw it on shelf because it stood out against yeah, all yeah. the white and all the, you know, cream. Yeah. And and it was it was bright. It was fun. And Waitrose and Boots, perfect shopper for us. Yes. You know, we then went into Asda and it was slow. It was mm-hmm. slow in Asda and we were shitting ourselves. Yeah. And then all of that flogging round, handing out samples paid off when in 2016 lovely Paige Sweeney posted a picture of her daughter's hands on Facebook and it was before Facebook had been monetized and over the next six months that post was shared 35,000 times and it was simply her saying these are Evie Ray's hands two weeks ago these are Evie Ray's hands now all we've used is Charles Van Baby moisturizer you know Paige had been to dermatologist after dermatologist. Evie Ray was just red raw and bleeding. And she said, it's two weeks and this is the difference. This is the best thing I've ever bought. And, you know, press picked up on it. It went nuts over the internet. We completely sold out. Um, Absolutely unbelievably unbelievable. And that in itself allowed us to build our relationships and then of course six months later it happened again. a year later it happened again and this was this was Laura uh, another Laura Laura Gray posted <laughs> a picture just of our baby moisturizer and said my mum bought me this um and it's cured my psoriasis in 48 hours and that was shared 65,000 times we had um, I mean it was insane insane and so it was all of that that pushed us to be the number one uh, brand in the UK. And and we were just a little outfit in Basingstoke, you know, learning on the job. Yeah. Bullshitting. Yeah, all the time. (laughs) You know, high energy. Nothing was. And everyone was, those early days, we had people who would be there all hours of the day and night, you know, if somebody said, 
if you know four o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon someone at Boots has said I want to see what else you've got can you be there here at 10 tomorrow they'd say yes yeah, yeah. you know we with Boots said to us what can you do for us in baby we've got a big review in three weeks we pulled together the baby range in three weeks plus we we did this we rented a place to show them we did a big reveal pull these doors back I'd bought shelving I'd bought the same same shelving they had in boots we had mocked up the whole thing we had things dangling I mean we had gone to bed that night at four and it was a hot summer there was no air con in this building we're in muck sweat and of course we went we went to bed we had a late supper and drank about 14 bottles of red wine so <laughs> hung over to the teeth exhausted dehydrated and the buyer just looked at it all and said we'll take everything it's just that that feeling is just indescribable though isn't it like we've yeah. had some the meetings where exactly the same we've done exactly the same where they've asked can you do x y and z we haven't got x y and z but well, we just say yes. yeah yeah we go, yeah yeah, yeah. Yes. The week later, we're like, right, how are we going to do this? Yeah, how we always gonna... somehow manage to pull it together. But, yeah. you, and that's, then... but that's the key, though, Laura. You do it. Yeah. What you can't do is make that promise and not deliver. And 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 yeah. that's what I would say to all of your other um, founders or potential founders out there is never promise anything that you can't deliver on. And you have to be prepared to work through the night. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. have to be prepared to just, you know, pull your hair out. Yeah, you know, yeah. have a little paddy whack in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my, yeah. my mantras, you know, I, I stamp my feet and go, fucker, 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 fucker. <laughs> and then you, you get that off your chest and you say, right, okay, how am I going to make this work? Yeah. And you can beg, borrow, and steal. And the, your enthusiasm creates enthusiasm for the people yeah, around yeah. you, the people that your suppliers. And yeah, it yeah. actually becomes like Challenge Annika. Yeah. And, and it's it's you know that's how you have to look at it and when you deliver I mean I never forget doing that meeting and then we had to take everything down oh, God, and then yeah. we had to drive the transit van four hours where's the transit van so it was five and a half hours back and you know by then you are just this shell of a human being yeah the next morning you're suddenly realizing they said yes but they need stock in warehouse in three months time yeah. shit yeah, yeah. And then it's all that. Yeah. And you've got that, you've got about 30 seconds of respite. Yeah. And then you're back on that treadmill again. Yeah, again. Yeah. So it's it's but it's like a hamster. You know, yeah. for whatever reason they love being on that treadmill and we can do it for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. I think that yeah. is what a founder is. Yeah. Someone yeah. who can get on that treadmill and just keep on going and occasionally sort of stop inhale whatever normally yeah, alcohol yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and on that note as well how did you just quickly um like you mentioned before that you know you had people that would work and you didn't have like you know they would work sometimes you like your ambassadors and things like that how did you have the cash flow in order to hire a, at first did you get in, did you get investment or did you just was it all backed by yourself how did you managed to get one staff member to help you and to say yes and come on this journey and then the next one and just off the back it, of that I was going to ask as well how long was it you and Olivia for but before they yeah. were like hey, now we need to, we actually need to take people on and we've got to find the money to do so kind of thing oh uh, well I mean I think that is the biggest bane of any founder's life is cash flow and I I started off I used everything that I had and then credit cards 
Yeah. And yeah. I brought in my first investors in 2013. Yeah. I did another round in 2014. And I actually had a big venture capital investment that was due and they pulled out four days before they oh, were due to give me the money. And so I had that was just before the launch in Boots, Waitrose and the cartoon. And I had to pay for the cartoon. And my manufacturer, Tom Allsworth, was a sodding saint. And he said, I will bankroll you um, until you can find an investor. I found an investor literally a month later. I, I, I just phoned everyone I knew. I went to angel investor groups. I, I mean, I was not proud. Mm-hmm. And um, and he brought in family and friends. And then I did a final round, I think, in 2016, 17, when we just we wanted to be sure that we could continue to make that happen. So look, I was I was finding investment the whole time. And the trouble is about finding investment. It's a distraction from yeah, the day to day because you're spending yeah. so much time trying to raise money. Yeah. And um, the third raise was easy because we were flying. We were number one in the yeah. UK. I mean, everybody just wanted a bit of us. Um, and um, the first two were hard work. And you but you you learn through it and you learn to be resilient. And again, it's you're putting on your sales hat. You have to be honest. Um, you have to be clear. EIS is brilliant because that allows you to find investors who've got a capital gain to offset 30 yeah. percent of that. So while if they invest 100, it, they're actually it's only costing them 70. Yeah. Um, and that's a fantastic uh, way to get money. Um, but it is it's determination and resilience. This isn't yeah. just about getting your product in store. I mean, I got I got it so wrong. I mean, the cost, you know, we had to have so much product in stock once we'd got listed. Yeah, that yeah. ties up all your cash. Yeah. And then yeah. as time has gone on and now we find ourselves in this digital era where, you know, frankly, some of these these platforms rip your eyes eyes. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you're competing against people in your space who are big PLCs mm-hmm. or conglomerates who've got whopping great big deep pockets. Yeah. Yeah. And you're there and you're going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is all I've got. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, I'm buggered. Yeah. Which, is why, <laughs> which is why I would go old school. Yeah, I yeah. would do I would do school fairs. I would yeah, do, yeah. you know, things yeah. like country living shows. Now they're back all on, you know, spirit of Christmas. Yeah, I yeah. would I would get people loving your brand, have a fab yeah, website, yeah. have fantastic yeah. customer service. And I, you know, I find it really hard to pay these big search engines the money that they're looking for, because I just think it's it's just wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's just wrong. Yeah. They made out like bandits in COVID, yeah. and now their sales have come off, and they're trying to justify their existence. I still think TV, if you can afford it, is brilliant. Yeah, and and I think just get real advocates of your brand who yeah. are prepared to go out there. I, you know, I struggled to pay an, you know, I struggled to pay an influence. It's part of the strategy now, but I just felt it wasn't authentic. I thought yeah. if you had to pay someone to say something nice about your brand yeah but then but that's yeah but then it became you know this people have careers doing that that's it and 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 it's it's finding the right route for your business isn't it as well because again we're a baby brand and our our, our products 
you, as when you see them, when you touch them, when you feel them, you can see how quality they are. And that's that's why it's so important for us to get in front of the right people and yeah. the right customers because it speaks volumes. And like we said, we get amazing reviews and people say, I've received my order and it's amazing, it's beautiful, it's lovely packaged, it's all of our toys have names. Um, yeah, bringing in so, a bit like with, you know, with Charles' time with yeah. the packaging, we've tried to bring that in with the toys, and they've all got a name and a yeah. character. And like Laura's daughter is actually like a massive advocate <laughs> for us. She talks about them and she's really like our little ambassador. She is, and she yeah. really sells it. And people are like, oh my God, my little one would love that. you know. And she says all the names and she goes to the school and says, oh, and have, you know, she goes them to her friends and they all know, you know, it's Giselle the giraffe and Zizi the zebra. And it is a real, again, a family passion project yeah. where we are, yeah. you know, seeing what our children want as well. So, totally understand the whole concept of sometimes it's got to work in the right way for you as a brand Definitely. and not just yeah. paying people to say something. And your values, and, like you said, your values as well. And actually, sometimes for us with influencers, it, it sometimes doesn't sit right. You think, like you say, you're paying someone to talk about your product, but you know you've got a bloody, like you said, you know you've got really a bloody amazing product. product yeah. And you feel like, why should I kind of have to pay? tens of thousands of pounds for someone to say oh I received this and I love it yeah it's tough to digest that you know our brand is hugely sustainable we're a B Corp now but the whole way on our journey we've we've used um post-consumer recycled plastic we've thought about everything that we use so much so that now even if you've got a pump on your product you can put that's got no metal in it so you can put the whole thing in your recycling bin you've got to have influencers that are aligned with that because if you yeah. then get someone who's then doing i don't know working for coca-cola you yeah. know the biggest plastic polluter on the yeah. planet yeah. how does that how, that that, that no, doesn't no, work no, no. no. But i think you know the other thing that i would say to your listeners is this don't be shy of places like littlewoods argos yeah, Wilk, yeah. wilco you know these places particularly now um are 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 really great places for people on a budget to shop and you can you can attract them you know through many different means there are I mean you just look and look at all those different brands look at Lizelle she started on QVC you know there are there's more than just the big four grocers or you know and and you know Amazon is is a force to be reckoned with and you know everyone shops at amazon so you know you have to be friends with amazon and don't be you know there are don't don't just focus on those big ones and say you know it's boots or bust or it's tesco's or bust be much broader in your choices because again they will give you your rate of sale and that is that is what those big buyers are looking for they want to know that if they take this other product off the shelf and put you in there you are going to do better than that existing product and that's what you've got to prove and I don't think I get the sense that a lot of people don't simply realize the mechanics of that yeah you're I I I say it's like you're renting that little space yeah and they their rent on that is x and they want you to get x plus yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, it. <laughs> you've got to justify why that should be your space yeah. and not anyone else's. Yeah. And you know, that that's what you've got to convince these buyers about. But you know, I hope that we're living proof it is doable. Oh, and it is hard work, resilience. There's a sprinkle of luck in there, but you know, if one more person says, Oh, you're so lucky, I think I'll 
stump them. Oh God, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you yeah. know, oh yeah, no, I'm so lucky because I was in the right place in the right time. I don't know about fifteen hundred times. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, what's, exactly. What's the world? What's the word that springs to mind? Oh, that's the one. Oh, so. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's so true. so true, though, because people only see like a tiny spectacle what? of what you're actually doing. Don't forgetting we're doing children's brands anyhow. So all we're doing is baking cakes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh yeah, we're, we're exactly. working from home and we're watching TV and making a cup. Oh, honestly, yeah. it kills me. Oh, we, we get that all the time. We get yeah. all the time. Being mums as well, you know, I think people die. We get it, don't yeah. we? I think we think we're just having a great time when we're in the office and we're working and. You know, they don't see us having meltdowns and crying to each other. And you know, like you say, stamping your, on the feet and saying, oh, and doing the deliveries in the van. Doing the deliveries too. in the van, packaging things up. Yeah, we're and... 12 at night. And, and I swear to God, if you had a swear box in, in your <laughs> office, as I had mine, and you put a pound in every time you swore, I mean, you'd just have to stop. I mean, I had to put celibate, celibate, the top because it was full. it's so funny just quickly before you before we give you one last question to end off but I said to Laura before I started this business I never swore hardly ever and now it's non-stop so Laura this has definitely made me swear all the time so (laughs) um and on that note um we always ask our guests they're winging it to because our podcast is called winging it to the top with Laura and Laura and we always say what has been your winging it to the top moment throughout your business career so what's one thing that you've done that you're like wow I really we've winged that and I don't know how I did it I mean I'm sure there's loads yeah loads 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 of situations uh um I think you know I think it was the baby um I think it was launching the saying we had a baby brand that was fully done which was just total horseshit and and um and that we could do this in three weeks I I, when I I think of the people that did it um in particular Sarah Ann who was working on design at the time um Olivia Andrew oh my god oh my god when I when I got off the phone and I told them this literally everyone went white (laughs) <laughs> and then they said, OK, we can do this. But I don't think any of us realised. No. But, but, you know, we said we could do it. We turned it around in three weeks. I mean, wow. and then we the whole lot was listed. Yes, yeah, amazing. amazing. So if, if you want it, if you really, really, really want to win. Yeah. That's what you need to be able to do. And, yeah. you know, I would say to all of your listeners, don't go in thinking you can do this part-time or you know it's a fun thing to do on the edge if you're going to do it you've got to go and do it you've got to be in it to win it yeah yeah. and you know there may come a time when it's just not working and economic circumstances are really brutal and that again it's being bloody brave and saying do you know what not now so it could be you could put on something on pause or it could be you know you throw the towel in Mm. but I would also say do reach out to people like me who've been through it all, who've done it and, you know, and it's have lived the dream. Uh, <laughs> reach out, reach out to people like us on LinkedIn because we are we're always there to help other people. And I'll also do a shameless plug, plug for Buy Women Built, which yes, I sit on the advisory for that. Yes, yes. yes. And this is this is set up by Sahar Hashimi, who set up the first chain of coffee bars in the UK, Coffee Republic, back in the day, wow. and her partner in crime, Barney McCauley. 
And this is to shine a light on female founded brands. So yeah. um, by womenbuilt.com, you'll see a myriad of female founded brands there. The aim is, you know, not all of us can invest in them. Not all of us can mentor them, but we can all buy them. Yeah, exactly. So all buy from female founded brands. And so I created this fabulous community where everyone's learning off each other. Yeah. We help them as much as we can to accelerate growth with a bit of knowledge, but a lot of exposure. So um, think about that. It's really easy if you want to sign your brand up to that on the website. Um, and just I've done that for us. <laughs> oh, good girl, good girl. Because I looked at the website, and I was like, this is just amazing. Like the, the, the companies that are on there and the women that are on there, I was just, I thought it was blown away. And I just thought, you know, to be, it's, it's a massive passion point for us as well is there's not enough for, for women entrepreneurs or, or small you know women who run small businesses there's not enough support for them and for you to set up something like that to be a part yeah. of something like that it, it does mean a lot to us because we've really struggled like even going for investment and you know we successfully raised raised but it was so tough and and we had we, like, we had someone pull out the same story she yeah. just quickly pull out a month ago so it's nearly our last person to invest at the last minute they pulled out so we had a very so now we're doing the same thing that you know the turning clogs before the December because that's when it our round ends so it's it's you just need that you just need to have somewhere that it is a hub of, of First, yeah, women, women you know yeah, and you definitely. think yes I can do this I'm I like speaking to you guys and um, everyone else has been on our podcast. It just gives you that extra push. It's really missing. It's really missing. It's, that, it's, that it's, it's having that community and that strength and that safe space where you can talk to other people who everyone has the same problems. Yeah. And a problem shared is a problem halved. And, and this whole community get together, they support, they advise each other. It's brilliant. It is utterly yeah. brilliant. And, and, it, and it gives women the confidence sometimes that we lack that we can keep going and that we can do this 100% no it's brilliant it's it's brilliant and I think it's just so important like in this day and age that there is that place where you know if you're running a business as a woman you you feel you've got somewhere to go and people to talk to who like you said are going through the same thing so yeah it's it's really exciting and hopefully we might be able to get listed on on there at some point I shall have a word yeah thank you thank you so much and thank you for chatting to us we know you've got a dash as well um but yeah we've absolutely loved and feel honored to be able to speak to you so thank you for joining our winging it to the top podcast and um yeah we look forward to chatting to you soon well lovely to meet both you fabulous women oh thank thank you you so much much. i really appreciate it be brilliant thank you you. bye